0: The Jesus that sometimes is confrontational in times and moments where you wouldn't expect the loving, loving savior we've been told about to be controversial, to be confrontational. Uh, Sometimes it's because uh, people need to know the truth and sometimes being nice isn't necessarily appropriate in that situation, sometimes, right? So Jesus has to be this person who's not just a loving savior, but a loving teacher I don't know if you've ever had to teach somebody or something a lesson. Sometimes it has to be done with a stern word. I remember uh, once I um, was late from school on purpose. Um, I'm expected at home. I think at the time uh, school let out at quarter past three in the afternoon. It's a 15 minute walk. So I was expected home at 3.30 p.m. I didn't get home till 4.15. Now, that meant I was obviously doing something... I was actually playing handball at school. We used to I don't know if you've played that over here, To a ball. You get a tennis ball, you hit it against... The, you, did you play that over here? Uh, I, you play handball. I was playing for... And then, I was supposed to only play for five minutes. Five minutes became 15 minutes, 15 minutes became an hour. And I'm back home, and who's home? None other than my dad. Now, I could have got away with it if it was just my mum. Like, I could have talked her out of why... You know, how this happened, I could have come up with some... But Dad was always asking more questions. You're well, why were you, why were you late? Uh, uh, I had to do some, and I, then I started making up all kinds of stories. And he saw through every single one of them, and I got in trouble. And, and it was funny, because he used this as a teaching moment. And he says, I didn't mind if you had stayed back for a little bit longer. What I'm mad about is that you tried to lie about it after. Now he was furious. And I got it that evening, not for staying over an hour, but because I tried to lie about it afterwards. Understood, understood. I kind of created a situation, and I made it worse. And I wonder sometimes if, um, if, if we were honest with ourselves in many situations, if we'd just be better off. Sometimes I think being honest with ourselves and the people around us is much more important. But Jesus is kind of confronting what looks like a, a uh, people who are lying to themselves constantly lying to themselves and I want to read scripture in Luke chapter 7 to kind of kick off my teaching here about this Jesus that sometimes is confrontational Um, it deals with in Luke chapter 7 verse 36 I'm going to read through to verse 50 um, it deals with an uninvited guest Um, Jesus is invited over the home of a Pharisee and somebody shows up who actually wasn't even invited Now, what's unusual about this story is that Jesus doesn't usually have a lot of genuine interactions with Pharisees. It's usually with everyday people. Pharisees are a political and a religious order who desire power and control over the people. And so this is a rare moment where they are inviting Jesus into their home. Let me read that for you Uh, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. If you have your scripture, read along with me. He says, And one of the Pharisees desired that he would eat with him, saying to Jesus, Please eat with me. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus was at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with, her, with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, this man, if he were a prophet, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on, or teacher, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman with anointed, hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word wonderful scripture here I've preached a message on this but I took the woman's perspective last time and this time I want to do a little bit differently I want to speak a little bit from Jesus perspective Got a little visitor there and the Pharisees perspective what's interesting about this uh, moment is Jesus had entered the city of name we find out this is the city of name some verses before the city of name and he does a miracle in the city of name in fact he raises a widow's son from the dead He raises this widow's son um, and he tells the woman, don't cry. And in the city of Nain, this particular miracle is so well known that the scripture says that from this moment, all people throughout Judea know who Jesus is. So by the time we get to 36, which is where I start reading from, Jesus is well known in this city. They know he's a prophet. They know he raised somebody who was actually dead from the grave. He literally raved them up from the dead situation so now this Jesus is known so well in this city and as a result of being so well known he gets invited to the house of somebody who's kind of important in the city you know one of the things when I was reading the scripture is when I was thinking about is if Jesus <laughs> where would Jesus be right now if he had come today? death like uh, we, we, we think about where he was in first century like 2,000 years ago where he was hanging out who he was hanging out with who he was helping who he was speaking out against and this is none other than a society 2000 years but we have the same set of characters the same set of people really nothing really changed about us humans we just have iphones now that's the only thing that's changed we're pretty much the same people we were then we just now got electricity we can switch on at any moment right most of us aren't worried about food thankfully the Lord in this country on a daily basis but everything else about us is just about the same so what I wonder then is who, who would Jesus be hanging out with where would he be going to do these kinds of miracles what kind of people would he be speaking out against it's important that I ask the kind of questions because sometimes I think we think we are always the good guys in the story. Yeah. And we have to be very careful that we don't end up being the bad guy in the story. The Pharisees didn't think they were the bad guys in the story. They thought they were the good guys. And I'm saying to you, be very careful how we approach Scripture, how we approach people. As the minister was saying, he was very careful in that situation. He could have said anything he wanted to to that woman and I wouldn't have known. But maybe what he's saying to himself strategically, I can now speak to this woman a little bit later. Now I can speak to this woman, see where she's at. Maybe, Maybe she needs a little bit of, maybe she doesn't need Christ, but maybe she does. You've now left that door wide open, right? Sometimes you have to be strategic. Some battles you have to let, okay, I'm gonna lose this one so I can win one down the road. So I'm asking myself, who would Jesus be hanging out with today? So if he's healing people, he has to go to the hospitals, right? He has to go somewhere where there's sick people. If he has to go some, you know, we, every city in America right now is dealing with the homeless crisis, especially the big cities, New York, Seattle, um, Chicago. They have a real homeless problem. But this is who Jesus was speaking to. This is who Jesus was healing. So I'm wondering where would he be in today's society? who's guest who would invite him to their home and be critiqued in this way would this be our city councilman our mayors is this is this the equivalent who would he be talking to but he was speaking to this pharisee i've talked to you about pharisees last week they are a political and they are a religious group they believe in the letter of the law they believe in doing the letter of the law and they believe also in the oral law that was given to them that they've developed over years and they they have a really good mechanism of telling you what you've done wrong but they have no mechanism of getting you closer to god (laughs) and it's interesting that people really focus on how much we've done wrong rather than how great god is and i want to focus more on how great god is and how much of a savior he is to be sure we're going to do things wrong that's going to we're human we are always going to do that the thing we're always going to be missing is our reconciliation or our getting close to god so Verse 36 says, And one of the Pharisees desired that he would come, and so he asks Jesus to come to his house. Seems like a beautiful moment for us to reflect on this, because everybody wants to be in presence of Jesus. They know what he's capable of. And I think everybody in this world wants the Jesus, I've talked about this before, but wants the Jesus that was born in a manger. They love that Jesus. They love that version of Jesus, because he has nothing to say yet. He's not saying anything that annoys you or or confronts you or challenges you. But the Jesus that is saying to you to turn the cheek, that one's a difficult one to get a relationship with. (laughs) The one that's saying, um, I'm gonna forgive you if you can get close to me by faith, that's gonna upset the people who've got close to God through the law, right? So here Jesus says in verse 30, or, or, or what he said in verse 37, and behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus was at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, which is why I kind of refer to this message as the uninvited guest. <laughs> the uninvited guest. Jesus has a plan and a being invited to a Pharisee's house. And this woman hears about the, like, can you imagine inviting somebody over your house And somebody else who you don't know, finds out about the invitation and shows up Like, I'd be furious if that was my house, I'm going to be honest, I'd be really, really upset Like, this is, an you're not supposed to be here, this isn't your house And then, when she shows up at the house, she gives him all the love you haven't given him Like you've given this Jesus almost the minimum amount of respect. You've invited him in, but you haven't washed his feet, which is traditional in the time. You haven't given him any, you haven't given him anointed his head with oil. You haven't made him feel welcome or, or, or respected. You've just got him in the house. And I'm wondering, And I'm hoping and I wanted to make sure that we aren't the people who have just got Jesus in the house, but don't treat him the way he's deserved to be treated. Like having him in the house is okay, but how do we treat him once he's in our house is the most important thing. How are you treating this Jesus? Is he just, is he just like an uninvited guest? See, the thing about inviting Jesus in the house is that you have to invite who he is in the house, not who you want him to be into your house. Like you want to invite into Jesus, the one that healed the boy, uh, the widow's son. You love that Jesus because he's famous. It's a miracle. He's a prophet. It's obvious he's good. But the Jesus who is demanding something of you, that's who you've actually invited into the house. I want you to have full relationship with Jesus. Not partial relationship, full relationship to him. I want you to invite that Jesus into your house. I want you to know that that relationship is worth having. So let's have a look at what happens here. And verse 38 says, and stood at his feet. So she comes uninvited into into the Pharisee's house. She goes immediately to Jesus. She ignores the person whose house it is like she doesn't care for you that's got nothing to she has nothing to do with whoever's house it is she's fixed on Jesus (laughs) I think sometimes we are get distracted by who is and isn't in the house who owns the house before we decide we want relationship with Christ I'm asking you to completely ignore that for a second don't worry about what I'm doing (laughs) You get your relationship with Christ good and firm. If you want to anoint his, his feet with y- your tears, that's your worship. Do what you're supposed to be doing. I love to jump up and down on the spot. That's my worship. That's what my praise is. I like to clap. my. I like to sing too loud. I don't even need this mic. I don't even know why the uh, minister gave me the mic today. I don't need it. I sing too loud as it is, but that's my tears. That's what I'm anointing and giving Jesus, right? I'm giving him what I have got a relationship with him. Now <laughs> from your perspective, my worship may be an uninvited guest. Like some people, I'm not, to be clear, worship him the way you're comfortable worshiping. But don't worry about what I'm doing either. <laughs> right don't worry about what I'm doing because I'm giving him what my relationship needs my relationship sometimes needs tears sometimes you'll see me over here crying (laughs) my relationship sometimes needs a dance because that's what the Lord deserves from me (laughs) but this Pharisee he saw what was going on and he looked in verse 9 at that the relationship that was forming between what he saw as this woman who was a sinner She was both identified as a sinner. We don't get into the details of what she did. It apparently isn't important. But we know she was a sinner and she was known because this Pharisee knows who she was. And this is what he says in verse 39. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, this man, if if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is That toucheth him for she is a sinner there's so much going on here there is the relationship between the Pharisee and this woman he knows who she is he also knows that this woman is in his house uninvited right but he also is seeing a very strong relationship somehow growing not between him and Jesus but between the woman and Jesus he's seeing this relationship grow and it's annoying and bothering him For two reasons, now he's challenging, well, that can't be the Jesus I thought it would be, if he's having a relationship with a person like that. Uh, I wonder which side of the relationship we sometimes land on with Jesus. We should have been focused on our relationship with Christ. Meanwhile, we are judging somebody else's relationship with Christ, because it doesn't look the way we want it to look, right? We've really got to focus on our relationship with the Christ. What I saw with the woman as she cried, can you imagine crying so much that you can literally wash somebody's feet? How much you have to actually cry to do that effectively? And then after you've cried all those tears, you don't have a towel to take care of it. You use your, hair now I couldn't do it, <laughs> but you use your hair to literally dry their feet, all so that you can take an alabaster box which has yes. Yes, sir. in it the most expensive type of ointment in it like you came prepared with an ointment that is so expensive and so rare that it is shipped literally from Asia to where you are you must have spent probably you know a six months or years worth of wages to get it and you're not even prepared to wash his feet correctly but you say I've done enough to get this ointment to him <laughs> this is what I kind of call a radical and unprepared praise. Like, like if some of us were really wanting to get ready for worship in the morning, we would come with tennis shoes and a tracksuit because we're going to go nuts. Right? But the truth is we just show up and we're just going to give God a praise. Yeah? So this woman gives him this praise that is so radical that it invites criticism from the person whose house we're in. I don't want you to worry about what I'm going to think about your praise. Give it freely to the God. It's between you and him. Don't worry about what I'm thinking. Don't worry about what any of us are thinking. Give God his praise. This moment, can you imagine how isolated she must have had to feel to walk into somebody else's house, to wash his feet, as an, and he, there's a, an acknowledgement that he hasn't done it, so let me do it. So we are come today... Assuming that no one else is worshipping God the way we're going to worship Him. We're going to wash His feet with our praise. We're going to give Him anointment. We're going to pour out our anything that we have on Him and give Him a praise. And we don't care what anybody else thinks about it. Our mark's too loud. <laughs> I wish somebody would tell me out loud. I'm going to be louder. <laughs> I remember when we were young, uh, my father was a pastor, bishop, and we would sometimes have to have services at home, right, depending on what we were doing. Um, and we obviously, our neighbours weren't in love with this idea, obviously. Um, so uh, I remember one time, that we, got, we, got, we, were, we were loud, and <laughs> to be very clear, we were loud in hindsight, but we were, they, they complained and said, um, they complained and said, tell your dad, that you have to keep the noise down. I said I'm gonna be honest with you you are better off not telling my dad because he'll have us here for another two hours if he thinks you want him to praise quieter like you are better off just leave my dad out of this <laughs> like my dad was the kind of person oh you want me to stop praising I'm going to give you another hour of this right that's my dad he, that's that he let you know praise was premium in his house so so this woman has to have some kind of isolation mechanism in her head where she says, I don't care what people think of me, I'm just going to give thanks to this, to this man of God, to this, to this prophet, this, what we now know is the savior of the world. And what we know about this woman is that she's a sinner and so she's supposed to be further from Jesus traditionally in our mind. But what we realize is that this is the kind of person that Jesus wants relationship with. And this is how he describes this relationship. Verse 30, Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. So this woman has, has washed Jesus' feet, anointed his feet, um, and then, then the Pharisee has said in his heart, this is all wrong. This is bad, and Jesus should know better, right? Jesus should know better than to have a sinner touching him. And so in response to that, Jesus is what this is what Jesus said. Think of this moment as like the part of the movie where there's an internal dialogue going on. No one else can hear it. It's just in the voice of the person. In the voice of in the head of the Pharisee he's saying, "Jesus should know better." And in response to that, Jesus says out loud, "I've got something to say to you." <laughs> I've got something to say to you. Verse 41. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. One literally owes 10 times. Two people owe this person some money. One owes 10 times more than the other. Literally 10 times the other. Neither of them can pay. And Jesus is asking this Pharisee, he says, Simon, which one of these loves the person who they couldn't pay more obviously the, the one who owes 500 right and jesus said you're absolutely right you're absolutely right and what you're seeing with this woman is the one who owes way more than you simon because if you owed what she owed yes you would have done what she did some of us are coming out of some situations that are way worse than other people. Some of us are coming out of situations and problems, either internally or externally, that are worse than others. When you see radical praise, when you see people giving thanks and it's not what you have at the moment, just assume for a second that they've been through more than you've been through. Like they've got more to give thanks for than you, you do. And the truth is, if you look hard enough, we all have so much to give thanks for. We all do. We all have something to give thanks for. And so Jesus says, you're right. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon. So it's interesting enough. So just imagine for a second, uh, minister is Simon and he's been speaking to the woman the whole time the first part he's been speaking to the woman I'm gonna assume my wife is the woman just for a second and now he turns to the woman and says to Simon so he's speaking to the woman but he's actually talking to him like he's looking at the woman the one that called the sinner the one who's known as a sinner in the city but he's talking to Simon it's an interesting moment here and it's very deliberate in the scripture that this is said But I think sometimes we assume the Lord's attention is on us, but sometimes I think the Lord's attention is on the person who needs it the most. He starts looking at the woman, but he's warning Simon about something. Let me just read that scripture. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into your house, thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears. You couldn't even be bothered to get the water that's sitting in this house and bring it to me. But she, with her tears, washed my feet. This is what genuine relationship and praise looks like. It brings whatever it has and gives it to the feet of Jesus. And that is enough. It's not like Jesus said you came unprepared and you only had tears to wash my feet. Jesus said this was, this was good. This was way better than what you had. And so we have to, with all we have, just whatever we have, give it to Jesus. I said I like to sing loud, but that doesn't mean it's good all the time. But whatever I have, I'm just giving it. Whatever it is I have, I'm giving it. Not looking left and not looking right. This is for him. And, but the thing is, Jesus didn't judge that she didn't have the water set up right. It was a positive thing. Let's give what we have. Let me keep going here and I'll take my seat. Thou givest me no, verse 44, and he turned to the woman and said unto him, unto Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, Has not ceased to kiss my feet since she came in uninvited since she came into your house uninvited she has showered upon me the love that you should have given me and it's all because from her perspective she has so much to be thankful and grateful for wherefore he says, verse 46, My head with all thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. And he's even saying here, she had every right to anoint Jesus' his head with the thing that was precious and expensive. But instead, she didn't feel it was worthy, so she anointed his feet. She literally just gave him what she felt she was worthy of approaching him. That kind of oil you're supposed to reserve for the best parts of your body not your feet like you're going to be dirty as soon as you walk straight back out, right? But she felt that all she could do was approach his feet. Thank you Lord. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. This woman, this woman loved the Christ and knew that was an opportunity for saving. And she just loved on him with everything she could have. In a house she wasn't even invited to, knowing she wasn't welcome, but she came anyway. I don't care if my worship is unwelcome. I don't care if my presence is unwelcome. As long as I am in the presence of the Lord, I'm going to give Him the praise He's due. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Don't worry about what I'm doing. Don't even worry about what the person who owns the house is doing. You come and give your praise. Give your worship. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You can even put your worship in the wrong place. Instead of the head, you put it on the feet. You, you, you clapping on the offbeat doesn't matter give him the praise Amen. out of key doesn't matter give him the praise he's worthy of it right it says wherefore I say unto thee unto ye, her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much but to whom little is forgiven the same loveth little and he said unto her thy sins are forgiven can you imagine this worshiping the Lord blessing him giving him service, and in return, getting sins forgiven. The simple fact is the only people in that house who were sinless in that moment, in that moment, was Jesus and the one who they referred to, not by name, but as the woman who was a sinner in the city. There's only two people in that entire house who can be considered sinless, Jesus and that woman. Simon's still in trouble. All the other guests are still in trouble. But the person who is now in the best position is the woman whose name we don't even know. She's simply known as the sinner of the city. Literally they refer to her as the as a woman who's known for sin. But the two people in that house now who are in the best condition is Jesus and this woman. I'm asking you to come with unconditional praise, and I believe you will leave better than how you arrived, I believe the Lord himself will bless you, receive you, don't worry about me, don't worry about no one else, what they're saying, how they say it, is my praise worthy, is it good enough, just give what you have, the Lord will bless, let me just read the last couple of verses and I'll take my seat. And they that sat at meat with him began to say with him themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? Can you imagine having such a beautiful relationship with Christ and the thing that they now question is Jesus himself? Their relationship was never good in the first place. If my relationship with the Lord makes you question your relationship with him, your relationship wasn't good in the first place. Amen. Amen, amen. Get your relationship with the Lord strengthened. Yes, yes. Base it in sacrificial worship. Base it in thanksgiving. And he will forgive you of your sins. May the Lord add a blessing to this yes. word. In the name of the Lord Jesus.